Hello and welcome back to a new episode of the Queen City Roundup. Episode 38, I believe. Um, you better hope it's episode 38. Because <laughs> if not, you're going to look like a giant dummy. Right off the top of the show. You do that all the time, though. So it's okay if I okay, take that like, from you once. I mean, yeah, I, I'm totally fine with you taking away any form of, of slip ups that I normally do. That would be very <laughs> preferred. Um, yeah. So. Quite uh, both of us had quite the night on Twitter last night on Tuesday night, but I think we said we weren't going to talk about it much. So uh, it doesn't it doesn't warrant a conversation because it's not even worth it. So just uh, if you want to go see what we're talking about, you can go follow us on Twitter. See that segue? Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, plugging. Uh, all that we'll, I'll say about it is just don't be a dick, man. Like, come on. It I don't care what you believe. Just don't be a douche. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Anyways, you can go follow we're the, we're, us. <laughs> we're in the uh, middle. <laughs> okay. Of a panini, of a, of a if panorama. If, uh, oh, the newest one, which I have saved because uh, I bookmarked it. Uh, shout out uh, sdpn.ca. Uh, if you go to live, it, the new one is we are in a pond replay. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, is that, that from means. that's from the Rihanna song? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they they'll change it every week, which is the best. <laughs> you need to have engagement. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, yes, plug, you, the, plug the shits. You can follow us on Twitter individually. I'm at Joey Kanji ninety eight, and he is Matthew Spaniolo. And then you can follow our. Well, I just lost my train of thought. You can follow us on the podcast on Twitter at Q underscore city roundup and on Instagram at Queen City Roundup. So you go do that. That takes only a few seconds. And today we got we're doing something a little special today. We are going to be giving each Leafs player a a we're doing Leafs report cards, I guess you can call it basically. Um don't sue us, the athletic, for stealing your idea. No, no, you don't want to be sued. Um, we just thought because now there's like the Leafs don't play again until Friday. We thought it's around the midpoint of the season. We thought it was a good point to do kind of this this like midseason report cards on all the team. But we'll get to there. Um, depending on how much time we have, we might we might fill out each a March Madness bracket together. Two guys with a very um, novice. Um, what's the word I'm looking? <laughs> a very novice knowledge of the of college basketball. So we'll see how well we do on yes. that if we have if we have the time. And yeah, but I guess to start, we'll just go over some of the smaller tidbits. So I guess we could start with the Raptors, who are finally going to be a team uh, for the first time in like almost a month. It feels like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think when the outbreak happened, it was around, it was end of February, like it was around like I think the 30th, not the 30th, I'm an idiot, there's my slip up, uh, it was it was definitely about, uh, they, it was going into the all-star break, so it was about the 25th or the 26th that we saw that they were going to be down some players, obviously they were down some coaches, um, come to find out now that Fred Van Vliet did in fact have COVID, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy because i mean i we all knew that at least one person got it i don't think anybody thought it'd be fred um but he's gone on record saying that it was not fun i mean if you thought it was if you thought it was fun i don't know what to tell you 
dunk your head in a freaking sandbox. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm very much like it's so weird because like I've been so like disengaged from the Raptors season so far just because like they've lost five they've lost five straight. Well, they were on a uh, run before that too. Like they were climbing yeah, up I the know. standings before that. They were recuperating from their rough start. And it looked like it looked like the Raptors that like we're all familiar with. And then this happens and this just completely railed their season, which which to me, I just like is that really like the type of product that the NBA wants to put onto the court? Like that's the that was my whole question going into this. Like, would it have been better for the product to just postpone those games and find other ways to kind of uh, to to remake them because you're missing they're missing they're basically missing their entire starter like all their starters yeah i mean like in a way like they're very much like just it, it's really tough because like you know you you don't want to can't like you don't want to keep like postponing games you want to get the season like you want to get through it even though like again like this kind of goes to show you that like you know, sports shouldn't really be played in a time like this because, you know, there are outbreaks that are bound to happen. And the Raptors now, like, like Canadian teams were doing so good for like the last little bit, they would get their, like people would obviously contract it before going into like their bubble or their, um, their series. Um, And then of course now the Raptors now have had some, some in-season bouts with it. It's okay, we're at um, the we're near we're near the end. There's light now at the end of the tunnel with the vaccine rollout, especially yeah, in the U.S. For sure, yeah. Um, but now, like with the way that their schedule is looking, like they, especially with the, I mean, the they play deadlines. the Pistons. Yeah, they're playing the Pistons now, but like you got Utah on Friday, yeah. Cavs on Sunday, Rockets on Monday. I mean, and then going into the deadline, I, I, you got the Nuggets. I think like, you can win. I think you can win the Cavs and the. Um, why am I forgetting what other team you said? They're, I don't. I don't expect to win against the Jazz. Um, I think you can win against the Cavs, and who who they play after the Cavs again? Uh, after the Cavs is the Rockets. Oh, the Rockets. So you can definitely beat those two, but Utah. Who knows? Denver. Who knows? They're trailing to the Pistons tonight, but not by much. It's still um, early. It's like the first quarter still, I think, or the second I get, quarter. I guess the only question that I have is now that, like, since the last time we recorded, we all – I don't think we – I think – did we come to the conclusion that Lowry was not going to get dealt? Um, that after? That happened the day after we did our interview with our friend John Chick. Yes. Where um, we were speculating where Kyle Lowry would go, and then it immediately got absolutely shat on the next morning. Exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and that's that's really just like we know what's happening with that. Um, I can't wait to talk about later in the show um, who we think the Leafs are going to get and then they make a trade the second we stop recording this episode and everything we say just completely irrelevant. I don't think they make a trade until next week. I think if if they lose Friday. Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this later. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, I guess like to to leave with the Raptors stuff. Um, what do you do with Norm? Especially you now. resign him for how, for how much though, and also like, do you give him? He'll he'll have a pretty reasonable contract. And and also, do you give him like a starting, a starting spot, a starting? Spot it depends on it depends on the other stuff that they do in the off season. Like I I can't really answer that right now, but he's looked good as a starter. 
it's really interesting because you know people get hot at the the weirdest times and Chris Boucher basically said, ah, screw it. I guess I'll turn this season around. And now he's kind of gone a little cold. Uh, and then Kyle Lowry will just go willy-nilly and be like, oh, I'll just go ahead and string together some consistent games. And then, of course, that goes south by the wayside. Now Norm's like, okay, like we won't win, potentially. But I'm going to go off because I want to make money, whether it's here, whether it's – I don't know who else was rumored to have him. But regardless – I think Norm stays. I don't think that's in jeopardy. I don't know. I don't really know. Um, that's really it about the Raptors stuff. Um, again, like mid game, we can't really comment on that because it's not gonna. It'll be. It won't be done until we're until long after we're done. Um, let's talk spring training. I'm really interested and invested in the spring training so far. Oh my god! You know what would help make me a little bit more invested. If they actually sold the 10 games. The, yeah, actually viewing the product. like, and, and, like, the thing is, is, like, it's not even a sports end issue. This is all of Major League Baseball because I don't know what it is. Like, and the thing is, is like, I, I think I saw someone was like, oh, well, the scouts need to get, like, the best eyes on the players. And I'm like, really? Like, 15 scouts for both teams. So you have 30 people out of, like, thousands of people that pay to go there. Like, seriously, you can't put a frigging camera there. Like, mm-hmm. especially with the Jays in their new ballpark in in Dunedin, TD Ballpark. Like, dude, like, why don't you just go ahead and just reno it to the point where... Well, they did. They just did. No, but, like, if you did all those renovations, why isn't there a camera there? I think, I think a part of the reason of that has to do with, like, COVID protocols. Um just because I think that the Rogers sports net would have had to send their own crew there. And I don't think they got clearance to do so, which makes sense. If that's the reason for it, I understand. But the thing is, this isn't a one-time thing. This has happened the last couple of years now. And the thing with that is like, if you're going to be spending two months there anyway, you might as well want to just get your guys down there get them prepped, get them ready, see if everything works. Like, cause opening day is literally in, in two weeks. Oh, I'm excited. So April 1st, y- you need, you need to look at this and say, okay, what are we doing? You know, like what is the game plan here? Because clearly, you know, they are, they, they don't have a concrete plan for broadcasting, um, which is fine. You could format that and figure it out later. Um, but like in terms of like on field play from like what I've seen in the, uh, iPhone shot videos of the at bats and the, uh, and a lot of stuff, uh, this team looks freaking cool. Like, wow. I'm, I'm very impressed. I don't know. Um, one guy who I'm looking very much forward to is Alec Manoa. Oh I think he I think he I don't think he makes the team out of spring. But he's gonna be a part of this roster come May. I think to be completely honest, looking at this team's pitching depth, it's a lot better than it's letting on. The the thing um, the, the thing is that, that that scares you about it is there's not enough of those proven names in it, but they have a lot of the young talent that can come up and and 
who looks promising, right? Like at the end of the day, there's still prospects. There's still a bit of a question mark, but everything's looking promising. Exactly. And I think like what, what you look at here is like, you, you, again, like, like you said, the star power and the names are not there yet, but from the small sample size, from what I'm seeing, um, Ryu looks as advertised, which is fine. Uh, Robbie Ray has not walked as many people as many people thought he would have, which is good. Tanner Rourke did pretty good in his only start so far this spring training, which is good. Um, Steven Matz looked like what I expected, you know, not amazing, but pretty good, you know, and that five spot, you have a lot of flexibility with that five spot. You can go with stripling. Uh, you could go with uh, Anthony K. If you need to, you can go with Trent Thornton, Tyler Chatwood, um, Hatch before he got hurt. Uh, like you said, Manoa, like they have a lot of names, I think. And this is the thing that like in hindsight, like we love those, those teams in 15, 16, but like they weren't built to last. They were built to just go for the run. And then when they're, they took like, they took two shots, got close on both more so on the first one. And now they had to kind of go through the wilderness of, okay, here's what we got to do. Uh, we got to, you know, get younger, get quicker, get faster. And this team's up to bottom. Like they're, they're pretty small. Oh, the like, offense and like defense and like, like position players and stuff. I have, I'm not worried about one bit. Like I know that exactly. those guys will come out and perform and they've given themselves so much depth that like we've seen players in the past with health issues. Like, uh, like Bo Bichette hasn't played a full year yet. Um, neither has Vladdy jr. Or a lot of those younger guys too, but, but the way that they built the roster is that they have a lot of like quality guys who can just step up into those spots too. Yeah. And I think like looking at it from this perspective, um, like they have a lot of guys I think that are, have proven themselves, but again, like it's, it's small sample size, like over, over 162 games, this is going to be the biggest test because you look at guys like Rowdy Telez and, and, and Guriel and Biggio and all these other guys, and they haven't had, I don't think they've had more than a hundred games under their belt. So at that point, you got to look at it and say, okay, you know, what, what do we, you know, we have some more guys that are veterans, like veterans like Springer and Semyon, who are helping out the core tremendously. Um, but you also need to look like, and it's one of those things where I think that, I think it's good that they didn't trade any of their outfielders in the offseason because, you again, you need depth. No, like, I, think, I don't know how many teams are able to have an injury in the outfielder in the outfield and have have Randall Gerchuk step into that role. And I think they're preparing because they know that the season's not going to be normal. They know that COVID could still be a thing. People won't actually, you know, athletes may not get the their vaccines. So they also, need to prepare. Also, um, I think called load management. Yes. Springer, Springer wants a day off. Nope, no problem. You can take this day off against the Tigers or you can take this this day off against the Orioles. Right, dude. September's going to be a big month because September you're mm-hmm. going to look at it and you're going to say, okay, here are what because like you have the call ups, and if we don't see Manoa by June at the latest, like I think it's going to be a disservice. Um, but you also think like, dude, that that Triple A Buffalo team could be very good. Do you think Manoa have- starts or is he in the bullpen to start? I think he does start, but he's going to start in double A. So, like, whether it's double A Lansing or double A New Hampshire 
uh, or Vancouver. I think they have one of those three. Vancouver's a. I don't think he'll be playing in a ball. I think he'll be playing okay. So, so so not not a ball, but like you know, you know what I mean. Like oh, they're no, they're rookie ball actually. So I think they're going to be. So probably, I think I think he'll be like New Hampshire. I think I feel like um, the Blue Jays really like the system that they have in New Hampshire because. Vladdy came straight from there. I don't think Biggio spent much time in Buffalo at all. He went straight there too. Like when they first got called up, they they all went from New Hampshire straight to Toronto. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly. Yeah, like they did. They didn't spend that much time in AAA. I think the only people that spent a lot of time in AAA were like uh, Gu- uh, Guerrero, Bichette. Or Guerrero didn't really that much. More, no, he more was Bichette, there for like a little bit. More Bichette. Uh, even Bichette, I don't think, was there for very long either. I, f- I feel like that's where they put their MLB-ready guys who mm-hmm. just, like, there's just no space for them kind of thing or, like, the ones who are almost there, but then the younger guys, they, Rowdy I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make Rowdy, sense how I'm explaining it, but. <laughs> Rowdy Telez was there for a while because I remember um, in 2017, everyone was like, oh, like, we're going to have either, like, Rowdy Telez is going to be the starting first baseman. It's not going to be Justin Smoke. And then, of course, Smoke once goes and has that MVP caliber year for our team, at least, not for all of Major League Baseball, but like he finally turns into the top prospect that he was rumored to be. And then Tolez went kind of cold, comes up and has that great September three, mm-hmm. four years ago. Uh, 2019 was rough. 2020 was better. Um, but again, like he had that really bad injury that with his ankle, if I'm not mistaken, he shat. I don't know if he shattered something, but it was a rough injury. But uh, my only real question that I have uh, is Danny Jansen losing the starting catching job. I think Kirk won it at this point because, like, you need um, that bat, right? I think and, like, it's. I think. I think it's still Jansen's to lose. I just feel like Jansen is the more responsible defender, and at the end of the day, like. He did look really impressive. Like I know I saw a stat yesterday. He's leading the team with um, exit velocity in terms of his hits and all that. But I don't think he's there yet defensively. I think he's going to be the backup catcher. I heard I heard something um, that he might be the catcher for Robbie Ray. That's who Robbie Ray is comfortable with. Ah, so, so it's going to be kind of like what uh, Gianna Navarro was here. Yeah, like he'll get every he'll get every fifth game, and like DH some other nights too. I think depending on on what pitcher you're facing. I think we need to normalize catchers being comfortable with with pitchers. Like mm-hmm. we saw it, we saw it with um. This is just gonna feel like old. Josh Tolley. Yeah, Josh Tolley and Ari Dickey was the was the package deal. <laughs> they went everywhere back. together. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, remember they I think they tried like Ari Dickey's first start here. I remember this. They tried Russell Martin. And even though Russell Martin would like play catch with him and like and like spring and stuff and like warm warm ups, catching a knuckleball is just a different thing. It's like something it's a skill you either have or you don't, I feel like. And Martin struggled. And he's like he's he's known for it in his career as being a fantastic defensive uh, catcher. I completely forgot that like Ari Dickey was still relevant in major league baseball just because like, you know, over the years, he's really kind of turned into like, I don't want to say a meme, but like he's turned into that guy. That's like, he's still here. Like he never officially retired. Keep in mind. Ari Dickey's last major league he's still season. A f- technically a free agent. Yeah. It's, he's, he didn't officially retire. 
His last, I mean, he's been retired for almost five years now. So, like, I'm assuming, I'm assuming he is retired. I think uh, he has listen. to be. Um, yeah. Oh, he retired in 2018. Okay. Yeah. So, I, anyways, I, anyways, last thing before we move on to the meat of the show. Um, what do you think Guerrero plays? Do you think he kind of goes between, he does like a 50 50 thing or platoons in first and third slash DH? Or you see him getting most of his time at first or at third? I think it's going to be 70, 30, 70 at first, 30 at third. And the only reason why he'll get third base is if they have an injury. Um, for the most part, I think their infield's pretty durable. Uh, I know Bichette had that injury. I think it was to his calf or some form of injury to his leg. Um, at some point last year that because that was when there was the, the report that the Jays were in on Simmons uh, and they were in on a bunch of other shortstops because they didn't know Bichette's uh, longevity of his injury. So I think in that sense, like they have guys that could slot into the lineup like, uh, you know, like they have Espinal off the bench. They have Ponick off the bench. Um, they could probably I forgot they still they, they brought back uh, Panic. They brought back Joe Panic, yes. The better Panic, not the Richard Panic. Um <laughs> But yeah, I think like like the best thing about this team, and I think that like the edge that this team and the Rays have is the flexibility. Players can play in multiple positions. You look at the Yankees, I feel like, and I feel like that's how baseball, like that's the direction baseball is moving in. Like you're not going to yeah. see, you're not going to. There's going to be few players who can play one position and that's it, or you can just bring you one thing and that's it. You're going to see a lot more five tool players you're going to see a lot more players who can play infield and outfield or who can play who can play anywhere in the infield like i just feel like that's where the sport's going yeah and the way that things are with 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 the new york like with the yankees for example like you know they have guys that literally play one position and that's it Mm -hmm. If if you have a hole in that position okay what do you do like okay you have outfielders that's great but like if somebody goes down a shortstop what are you going to do just gonna like, call you, up the old-fashioned way. Just call up the guy from AAA. I mean, I guess, but like considering their backup infielder is Tyler Wade, I don't know, man. And also, you like think dude, a team, amount, a team that has so much money would be able to. Um... Dude, the <laughs> amount of outfielders that this team has—it's crazy. How? And okay, they're listing Miguel and Duhar as an outfielder. I don't know what they're doing there. This team is so weird. I don't understand it. Their best offseason, their two best offseason additions to better their bullpen were Darren O'Day and Justin Wilson. Which Darren O'Day once upon a time was was oh, a name. Wow. I, I, the only uh, form of relevancy he has to me is him him and Bautista's feuds. Yes. That was a very underrated feud. Uh well Bautista with the Orioles was just fun. Because that was just insane. So, uh, ready to move on? Yeah, let's get into the the fun stuff. Uh, do you want to talk about the Myrtle and Siegel article? Before um, we get we'll get to that. There's some things I want to touch on. Um, Kyle Dubas had hit was it was yesterday on Tuesday his media availability. What do you think of some of the of of what was said? Uh, I mean. It's tough because, like, I think, like, you, you, you look at this for, like, you look at what he said, and it shows me a GM that's not panicking, but it's a GM that's 
like you could tell in his tone of voice, he's visibly like he's annoyed. And I think that's what you need to be in this situation because the team played well against Winnipeg for at least two of the three games in that series. Uh, and then they go ahead and lay that freaking egg on Saturday night and then an even worse egg on uh, Sunday night. So now, like, you get this time off. Um, I know, like, they're still tech- – like, they have a four-point lead on uh, the Jets and the Oilers. Uh, the Jets, however, have two games in hand. Uh, one of the games is going to be playing sh- uh, shortly against Montreal. Um but it's getting to the point where I think like this team is very much, you know, it's the sum of its parts. They are better. How much better? Because, okay, offense, basically the same as last season. Defense, moderately better with guys like Brody and, and Muzzin kind of anchoring the I think it's really much helps. better. I think it's it's very much I'd say I'd say it's above average now. It's very much not elite, but it's above average. I'd say they're in that what, I think I, I'd say they're in that B tier of defense. I just feel like they play they play a really well defensive game. Like they don't have like the, the like the star players necessarily, but like their team defense has been a lot better. Like you even seen like the forwards being more defensively responsible this season than they were last year. And a lot of that has to do with a lot of the core just being young and they're a year older now and, and know better of what's expected of them. Exactly. Um, and I think the biggest question mark, and we've talked about this many times is goaltending. And I, I told you, I believe it was last week. I said it, I'm not nervous about the roster or like the team going into the goaltending. going into the playoffs. I know that the team's going to play well. It's the goaltending that I'm worried about. Yeah, and I think like, and I, I, I'm like, I, I hate. They have a it. roster that can compete with any any team in the league. Put them next to whoever you think the best team in the league is. They're not going down easily if they if if they do go down. Like the they're making a series, and then it's just the goaltending that makes me nervous. What's really weird to me is Freddie's playoff numbers. Like you look at them and they're not bad because he's a career mm-hmm. nine sixteen in the playoffs, but he's very spotty. It's that it's that he'll be having a good game and then what's his name Dylan Fruity just shoots it from the corner and it goes in. Exactly, <laughs> and it's and just think, a backbreaker, and they lose two one. And that's I think what we really see with the kind of like the mental toughness. Or not mental toughness, but it's 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 a struggle because, you know, you you relate to relate that to that as like a human being. If you get scored on, especially in a big game, you know your your confidence drops and your morale kind of gets screwed up, and it's hard to kind of get back. And and especially because this team has struggled the way that they did, they feel like okay, you know, they're like again, like they're the sum of their parts. But like, where are we going with this? Here's the thing: you know? they're with their losing skit. Like, it doesn't make me too nervous because you can bring it down to two things: it's it's been poor goaltending, and it's been the Leafs getting goalied on the other side as well. Like, if you look at like, at like I know a lot of people hate this stat, but it's a good measuring stick to see how your 
see how you're playing, see if you're actually doing things the right way. And they're absolutely killing it in the expected goals category, which basically just shows how well a team is playing. Like it's okay. If you don't understand that stat, you can make fun of it all you want, but that's all it shows. It shows you if the team is playing well or not, if they're generating scoring chances and the Leafs have been generating a ton of them. They're just, they just not going in. And like, I'm not that nervous when it comes to that because it just tells me that they're doing the right thing. They're not like, and then they're getting uh, bad goaltending on the other, on the other end of the ice too, which is unfortunate, but like, it's something that'll correct itself. And they're, they have an extremely low shooting percentage over this, over this run. Yeah. And I think it's, it's at that point where, you know, there, there needs to be some form of, you know, I, I think this mental reset should help. If they were playing poorly and losing games, that's one thing. They're playing well and losing. And it's something you just look at and like the trends, the trends show that this is not going to last very long at all. So, and they're, and they're, they're playing well. So I'm not, I'm not too worried. Every team goes through little, little spurts like this. So it doesn't and matter to, to me. To be fair, every team, every team in the, in the, in the not the Canadian division and North division. The, like you have to say the full name. The Scotia North. No, the NHL's not paying us. Screw it. I don't care. <laughs> I wish. Anyway, um, they've all. I feel like every single team in that in that division has had a hor- either a horrible start or just a horrible stretch. Because like the Leafs are going through it now. The Jets went through it. Like I think mainly to start, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Oilers went through like three really rough skids. Montreal fired their coach and they're still not really bouncing back from it. Calgary fired their coach and hired a farmhand who's somehow won two Stanley Cups and is surprisingly better. The Canucks actually look like last year because they finally realized, hey, we have a decent goalie in Thatcher Demko. Let's not go ahead and throw money at Braden Holpe because we have this extra money. Even though we already threw that money at him. (laughs) I, I I, I understand two years he goes to Seattle in year two, but like, come on. Like, I don't know. It was weird. Uh, and then, of course, Ottawa, like, despite the fact that they, they have, like, basically they win two or three really close ones, then they lose a close one, and then it's just, just mm-hmm. big old fart. Big old fart out um, the caboose. I want to get your opinion on a few of these roster moves. That have happened today. Jimmy VC getting claimed by the Canucks. Quick one sentence, three sentence thoughts. <laughs> Good for him. I mean, listen, like he was not a game changer. Like he, he was just guy. Jimmy VC is every player that the least draft that was from the Brian Burke era that we all thought was going to be good. And then we actually see him play. He at least, he, like, he at least got into NHL games, though. <laughs> like, uh, what was his name? Tyler Biggs. Or, or uh, Jerry D'Amigo. Or, uh, <laughs> Jerry D'Amigo at least scored a goal. Um, there was did he play one. on the Leafs? I don't remember. He did, play on, he did play on the Leafs for a cup of coffee, I remember. Anyways, um, did not pan out. <laughs> oh, oh, another one. Casey Bailey. Oh, yes. That was the the college uh, free agent that was – I believe we're in a bidding war with Buffalo. Excuse me, with Buffalo. Yeah, 
Which, speaking of Buffalo, I, I have something to say about them in a bit. Say that, and then we'll um, end, end with, we will jump back to something else I, I'm really excited about. Oh, yeah. the, the No, not the report cards. cards. I'm excited about this, and you're, it'll probably surprise you. Uh, okay. Um, but anyway, so I, I, I was curious earlier today, and I was like, okay, out of curiosity, when was the last time the Buffalo Sabres were really, really good? Like, there, when Ryan Miller was in his prime, they were a so, lot of fun. So, like um, those prime Ryan Miller years, like the year so they I, made I, the conference final and lost. Which that was the, oh no 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 no, yeah when they they lost to Ottawa yeah in the conference final. So so that was their last time that they were like in the top five. They were the second best team in the league under the Red Wings. Actually, they split the President's Trophy. Were they tied in points? They were tied in points. I I remember that Sabres team. I hated them, but they were a lot of fun. So I I decided to go down memory lane. I was like, I just want to see how badly they had it. So then, so okay. So just just to paint the picture, they were tied for first, but because they lost more in regulation, and the Red Wings, uh, that was when they started tracking OT losses. Um, So the Red Wings had thirteen OT losses. So in regulation overtime wins. They had 48, Buffalo only had 43. Okay, good stuff. Jump over to 07, 08. Buffalo is now down to 18th in the league. Uh, with not, They missed the playoffs by one point. 39 wins, 39, 31, and 12. That one just stings because you're like, okay, we were so good. What happened, right? Then you go to 08, 09, and they jump up to 18th. And, or they haven't been to good for, yeah, for a decade. So 18th. 41, 32, and 9, 91 points, one win shy of clinching a playoff spot. If it was actually, no, they were two points shy of the Montreal Canadiens who clinched a playoff spot ahead of them. 09, 010, they had a comeback. They finished 10th in the league, 100 points. And then I think that was when they lost in the second round to, I forget who, it might have been Philadelphia. I don't know. Um, oh, no, it was. 2010 2011, which was the last time they missed the playoff or made the playoffs, they had 96 points. You want to, we're going to go on a, on a fun roller coaster ride, boys and girls, because this is one of the dips. They had 89 points the following season in 11 12. And the lockout shortened season, they had 48 and 48, which is kind of funny. Uh, this is when it gets really dark. They had 52 and 82 and 13 14. They had a, like a, 14 point lead on the first round on the first overall pick on the Panthers. And they still lost it by the way. Uh, and then of course, yeah. 15, 14, 15, 54 points. Slightly. I, I just noticed something very, very, uh, very fun. Here's, here's my thoughts on the Buffalo Sabres. I, I hate to interrupt you, but this is, this is something that, that, that I think is very important about that has to do with their downfall. Um, I like to say that they have the Daniel Snyder syndrome. Oh, no. Daniel Snyder is the owner of the Washington football team. And to give some context, the the Washington football team, my favorite football team, um, were a model organization. Always in the pl- always competitive, always in the playoffs, always like, oh, this they're like what the Steelers are today, basically. If you know the NFL, that was what the Washington football team was like. I'm not going to use their former name. Um, 
And then they got bought by this young billionaire who owns FedEx named Dan Snyder in 1999. Since then, they've only won the they've only made the playoffs a handful of times and have been, for the most part, an absolute laughing stock of an organization in the NFL since they got bought. Um, tell me again, when was the last time that the Sabres made the playoffs? 2010-2011. I want to take a guess at what year the Pagulas bought the Sabres. The year after. 2011. So it was almost like, so So 10 years, the 10-year mark of this team purchased, or this billionaire purchased this team, they have not only not made the playoffs, this team has not even friggin' made 500 since that the is, since the Pagulas have owned them, and 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 it's almost like the Miami Marlins. Uh, like I don't know. Like they have the Buffalo Sabers have the Dan Snyder syndrome, and like that's the thing, right? Because like it's insane because of how like crazy an owner like. Like Leaf fans, even during the Harold Ballard era, in in the seventies, the eighties, like well, the Leafs were bad they, in the eighties. They were, but like the thing is, is like those they had good talent that like didn't get run out of town. Like okay, they ran Sittler out of town, but like when obviously when Clark came in, that was when things started to kind of turn the ship around. But like his presence was still there, and like it was tainted, and like it took us, I think, like from the eighties. Like the like the early the Leafs were a sucked. respectable, a very respectable organization from like the early nineties until like two thousand four. Right, they were a respected. They're like a respectable team who's relevant, always in the playoffs, always always making some noise. Exactly, um, but dude, Sabers are just tough, and like they just fired their coach finally. But they have no suitable replacement for him. Mm-hmm. Like I think their AHL coach only has like not even a year of professional, like elig- not eligibility, but like professional life. Hey man, maybe yeah, um, how many how many coaches now have been fired under Jack Eichel? Not saying it's Jack uh, Eichel's fault. I'm just saying this is not a way that you that you keep your star player who's I already believe, disgruntled. I believe they have gone through four GMs and four coaches because you think you I think remember, this is not that that is not how you keep your star but, one of the best centers in the league on your team yeah okay yeah I, I can name all okay i can name all four okay it was they had lindy ruff for the longest time and then he got fired well but, that was when lindy yeah. ruff understood hockey was, was good. a really yeah, good coach now now it's like what are you doing man? he's just he's just past his prime right now then it was nothing Ted personal Moore. Then it was Ted Nolan, who I think personally should be in the the league. I think Ted Nolan is a great coach. Yeah, he just they has just, nothing in Buffalo. <laughs> exactly, and like side note about Ted Nolan, dude threw his Jack Adams trophy down the stairs when he won it when he came home. Like he showed <laughs> it, it was like in channel. Anyway, so Ted, Ted Nolan, Dan Balsma, who remember was the consolation prize to Mike Babcock, which. Uh, if you thought Babcock was bad, oh boy, was Ballsma probably worse. Uh, and then you had Bill Housley, if I'm not mistaken, yes. after Ballsma. And then it was and Kruger. Then, and then it was Ralph Kruger. So you've, you've been through five NHL. Okay, since we won't count Lindy Ruff because they made the playoffs. Somewhere. Four coaches, and they have not got it right. I think if they want to start succeeding, they need to find their guy 
you can find the guy coach and you can find the guy GM and just roll with it and have some patience. You need some sort of consistency if you want to be able and to, like, and to do well. And the thing is, it's like, like you look at like Tim Murray, like with all the flack that he got, he made some okay moves, like bringing in Evander Kane, uh, getting Robin Leonard, oh, Ryan O'Reilly was big. Um, they don't know how to keep it, anybody though. Like they just run everybody out of yeah. town. This team, and it's not the fan base like like it is here in Toronto. It's the it's just the it's it's just a hellhole of an organization. This team, in whole honesty, is like they are quite possibly the worst franchise within the last decade and a half because the teams have bounced back. The Leafs bounced back. The Oilers are finally bouncing back. The, remember when the Avs were bad? And, and, and I just want to go ahead and – I thought about this earlier. Again, this is another weird tangent. Um, but in 2017, the worst two teams in the NHL were the Canucks and were the Colorado Avalanche. And, of course, the, uh, the draft happens, and both those teams move down. Arguably – Four and five were the best picks of that year in Kale McCarr and Elias Pettersson. The Buffalo Sabres within the last couple of years have only had one pick that they've hit on, and that is Jack Eichel. I think Rasmus, uh, Rasmus Dowling is good. He's good, but like they haven't. I think, I think, well, defensemen usually take a little longer too, to, uh, to develop. He's a good, off- I think- he's a good offensive guy. I think I think I think I think they have a good one in Darlene, but whatever. That's that's neither here, here nor there. It just they're just not a good run organization. Karasmus um, Darlene isn't going to do anything about that. But anyways, let's. I just feel bad. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I grew I, I, up. I grew up hating them with the Ryan Miller, uh, the Ryan Miller, Chris Drury, Daniel Briere Sabers. I hated them when I was younger. Um, don't forget Jason Palmerville. Yes. Anyways, um, yeah. Shall so let's let's to... before that. Okay. Very quickly. Okay. Very quickly. Let's. Um, this is something I'm excited for. Not too many people are. I'm probably a little more excited than it. But Alex Galchenyuk in the top six. I. This could go either really good or really horrible. In, in practice, in practice, he was wearing a jersey that shows that he that he's more than likely going to be playing in the top six. And I am really excited to see what the Maple Leafs have done with him. Reclamation projects like this, I find so interesting. And the way that Kyle Dubas and the Leafs organization went about it, I don't think they could have done a better job from what I've seen. They basically attached him to Barb Underhill's hip from what I've heard, because they really wanted him to work on his skating because his skating ability and his skating form was just terrible. And He's a guy who clearly has the offensive talent. And what they did by by um like focusing with him on on like development and sending him to the uh sending him to the Marlies, help him learn the systems there, gain some confidence. And and they're also putting confidence in him by spending this much time working on him, in my in my opinion. That's that's what I think. And this whole thing. I'm just really excited to see how this works out. And I'm really excited for the Leafs to sign him for league minimum as a free agent next year. He plays in our top six and he's going to score and get 50 points next year. That's my prediction. 
I can see I can see this working out very well for the Maple Leafs, and I'm excited to see it come to full fruition. I think Galch is good. I think, to be honest, he's going to end up on the third line because there's going to be another move that's coming. I think this But move, for the time being, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I think this move buys them some time. And I, think, I think he'll do better than... He'll be more of an impactful force in the lineup than Jimmy VC was. Because you know he'll have that offensive talent. Yeah, and then you look at the schedule over the next little while. Like You get Calgary um, for the next two games. And then after those Calgary games, you get the Sens for one. Then you get two against Edmonton. And, and then Simmons against, will be coming back too. Yeah, and then you also have to think like, okay, who sits? Which like it, you think it's going to be Pierre Engvall. I think he's no, not Engvall. Not. That third line is going to stay intact. It's going to be there's going to be people platooning in and out of the fourth line. I think so. Especially also, because, like with what's happening with uh, I did like, see the old boys. I did see a lot of people, um, on on Twitter be upset that they're putting Galchenyuk in the top six. But to me, I see it as like, I don't think they're going to touch that third line because the third line has been really good the last few games. Um, and are you really putting Galchenyuk in a situation to succeed when you're putting him on the fourth line? I don't think so. They would have put him, They would not have put him on the second line if he didn't do as well in the AHL as he did. Like he was over a point per, he was like, I think like eight points in mm-hmm. four games. Like that says something. That says that you I don't think it was, it was eight and six. Yeah. And it also shows like, like sending guys down to the AHL, people think is such a punishment. Like, no, it's it's they do it, especially they work after on we've... stuff. They want to. Yeah. They, they they it's it can be a conf- a big confidence booster for especially a player in like Alchenyuk situation. Yeah, and like we see it happen time and time again where players get sent down there, but it's like a conditioning stint. Like it's basically mm-hmm. just you know. Like we want you to go down there, work on some stuff, and then we'll bring you back up. That's exactly what this was. Like I don't know. I'm really excited to see how, how this turns out for the Leafs. But anyways, let's be teachers now and give out some report cards. Uh, let me – let's – Make with the screen sharing. There we go. So, I that, think. so that everyone in the audio portion is going to say, what the shit are you doing? Also, Don't worry. Your, we, I will post this. I promise I will post this onto YouTube. Your Bluetooth has been disconnected. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's brutal. Okay. <laughs> Are we doing right um, to left or left to right? We will start with Zach Bogosian, and I will let you go first. You tell me where you want to put, and I'll take the next, and you take next, so on and so on. Uh, I'll put Bogosian in the C tier. He hasn't done enough to piss me off or anybody off, but he's also hasn't been like spectacular. He's he's okay. He's been Zach, a... Bogosian, Zach Bogosian is me in in me in real life. I'm not great, but I'm not awful either. I'm just okay. And I'll take it. What's how much money is he making again? Eight hundred thousand. A million on the dot. He's making a million dollars, and he's being a serviceable third pairing. There's nothing to complain about. I'm not going to sleep over him. Um, After over his performance this year, he had those really bad first two games, and generally has been has been playing better than expected. Um, going coming into the season, feel everybody out though. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I think C's good just because. He's been he's been your serviceable third pairing defenseman and and that's right. all that's 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 what you wanted for, out of him. So next we were going to go with Brody. I'm going to give him an A. 
I think he's been this team's best defenseman, yeah. especially in the defensive zone. Um, there's been a lot to say about Morgan Riley's defensive play, and it's all it's all deserved. But one thing that Brody has allowed Morgan Riley to do is to be that offensive defenseman, and he's enabled Riley to do that. And I think he's been really effective in the offensive zone, and that's because of Brody. Also, I hate to be that guy, but I can't help but notice you still have the browser of when did the Pagoulas buy the Sabres open. Oh, shit. <laughs> nice. Freaking mint. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Justin Hull, uh, do you want to do you you pick one and then I pick one? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, you, your turn. I'll put Justin Hall and B. Unless you yeah, have anything you, to say about Brody first. Uh, I mean, you, you, basically, you basically you hit it on the head. More All or right. uh, Hall's going to go into B. Um, considering the fact that this guy wasn't even playing professional hockey, more or less. He was a hockey years. practicer. Yeah, he was a mannequin in practice. Uh, a motion mannequin. Um, oh, this was but, two seasons ago, but yeah. Yeah, and I think like with, with Hall, like you, you look at this and it's like, this was a guy that literally went from being like an ECHL defender to being a top four defender in the league. And I think obviously it has to do with the the next guy that we'll discuss. Um, but I think like, especially like we all thought he was gone in the off season. Cause we were I thought like, he was okay. getting traded. Cause we were like, okay, German's going to play on the right side. And like, it's going to be like this. And, da, 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 da. and then now like we saw him like basically be like Connor McDavid's nightmare. And it's like, okay, you can stay. Um, can I just realized this, uh, this, this list I found, it doesn't have a picture of Travis Dermott. Wow. That says something. <laughs> That's disrespect. The disrespect. Um, I mean, for argument's sake, let's go ahead and put Dermot in the. I'm going to put him in 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 D. I haven't really. really I was been gonna. Impressed. S- I was gonna say that he's kind he's of been, the, the D for defenseman. Um, he's been yeah, he's he, been okay. He's been he's been adequate. It's just that like you really expected him to take a step this year, and he hasn't. Exactly, and I think that's what you really need to to understand. Um, Anyways, Jake like, Muzzin. Unless okay, you had something go, else to add. No, if it, it, I know, I know they trade Letnin, but like if a defenseman has to go next, I think Dermot's going to be the guy that goes, just because they have like Sandine. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put Muzzin in A tier. Hey, Muzzin is mine. Oh, sorry. Well, are, you were going to put him in A tier, weren't you? Hmm. If there's the one between A and B, I would put him there just because I, mean, I want to like reserve a, a for like the best of the best, if that makes sense. You could have made like A plus, A minus, but you know. I'll put him I'll put him at B for now, just because I've really liked what he's done. Um just since he broke since he broke that bone in his face. Obviously this has something to do with it, but he hasn't been he hasn't the, really looked the, like himself for for those games. We'll so, put him in B for broken bones. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to do that for every person. All right. Uh, oh, I get a fun you one. You get the fun one. Can I do it for you? Or can I guess? Don't put it in GTA. D? C? D. And, and the only reason why I'm doing D is because there hasn't been that much steady consistency to put him in C. Mm-hmm. He's had maybe like... A, week, a good week or two but like he has not like 
he hasn't wowed me. Like, like I'm, I hope to God, I hope to God that if the Leafs get to the playoffs and they have to go back to Freddie, if they start, say, Campbell over him, I'm hoping, I am hoping that Freddie Anderson turns into 2018 Braden Holtby because that's what they needed for the Caps. Mm-hmm. And, Braden, and Braden Holtby single-handedly stole them the two games that got them to the Stanley Cup final. So if he can be that, then great. If not, I don't, he, then he's, he's, he's a shell of himself, which is a shame. Uh, now I'm actually curious where you're gonna put this next one on because it's he's only played three games this season. Um, this is Campbell. Hmm. It's Jack Campbell. Yes, I will put him in B. I would. He has played really well, but he's only played three games. But man, three games they were. He's just. He's just so comforting when you see him in that, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just, it's just like you you, think you don't need to be nervous all the time like Freddie whenever the puck crosses their own blue line. Yeah, and I think that's really what you need to expect. Like, you need, mm-hmm. like It's really just it, – yeah. it's one of those things where, like, you need, a guy, you need a goal you can lean on in case you're struggling – and considering we haven't had that, and the standard was a 35-year-old goalie in Curtis McElhaney, uh, at the time he was 35 out in the hole, he is now, I think, 37 or something like that. Um, but, yeah, that's basically the standard. So, I think B Travis sense. Boyd. That's yours to do. I'm going to put him in C, but with the way that he was playing to start his season, I was going to put him in B. He has been, ever since we saw those um, – those like exhibition games he's really impressed me because he he tries he's kind of like a um a more grittier version of he's kind of like a a mediocre version of hyman but i don't think he's as big um obviously a limited ice time like he he's a decent skater and he's shown that he's got a really solid shot and I think it's what you really need to like have from a guy. I think C makes the most sense for him because he's not, he's not overly flashy, but like for a fourth liner, especially with the fact that he's gotten power play time, like the team likes him and I like him. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I'd resign him. If I'm Dubas, I would do it. All right. Big giraffe. Paul, I'll put him in, in, in C, but like a, a high C. I think he he's done a lot. Like at the beginning of the season, he got called out by Keith, and he started adding different things to his game to get him into the lineup. Which, which like it just sucks every time he scores, it either doesn't count or, or you just know they're gonna lose that game. But uh, like he, I like the speed he brings, and like I've seen some feistiness out of him this season, which which I really like. Feistiness is very good. All right, Kerfoot. Uh, ooh. I'm going to put Alex Kerfoot in B. I think that Kerfoot is very much, let's put it this way, considering the fact that people wanted him to get traded for Nick Foligno, I said, first of all, I'll slap you in the mouth. Uh, second of all, he's he's doing his job. He's a third-line center. He can play the wing. Um, he wasn't, like, the thing is that he's not going to get 42 points on a team that has Austin Matthews and John Tavares as your, your top two. 
Mm-hmm. And he's done really well, I think. Like the speed line of uh, which also I'm just realizing this right now. I don't know if you noticed this. There's no Ilya Mikheyev either. Oh wow. So this <laughs> is this, this list is <laughs> shitty. So I blame you for it. Anyway. Um I didn't I mean, make it. I just found this. Don't blame so me. Whoever made this, shame on you. Anyway, um, I mean, they're both going in B tier. I think Mikheyev has shown that he's good. He just can't put the puck in the net, unfortunately, because it's hard sometimes to put the puck in the net. Um, mm-hmm. But as of late, he's definitely turned it around. That's I, third... I really like Mikheyev. Mikheyev is one of those players who does like everything that a coach wants. It's really, really tough, man. Like, it's really, really mm-hmm. tough to, like, differentiate. I think both are going to go in B. I don't know about you. Ooh. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyways, Mitch. Mitch Marner. A, he's just... A. <laughs> it's pretty self-explanatory. He's leading the team in points. And um, he's fourth, just looked... He, he, he has not looked anything like how he looked last year where he struggled a lot. He's also fourth in the NHL in points, FYI, mm-hmm. um, which is very much... Uh, let's just get these other two out of the way. Yeah. Um, so Matthews, Pab- I don't even ask you. Pablito Escobar gets an A uh, for his badassery. And I honestly Being injured think- and missing a handful of games and still leading the league in... In, in goals. If Matthew speaks Spanish, I really want to see him in this Amazon Prime documentary. Just try to do a Pablo Escobar impression. <laughs> oh, I, I can't that, wait for that. That probably comes out at the end of the year, no? Yeah, it's going to come out at the end of the year. I, 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 know, that Esco, mm-hmm. I know that Pablo Escobar was Cuban, and I believe Austin Matthews is uh, just, Mex- of uh, Mexican defense. Of Mex- uh, yes. Defense. So, his um, mom. Yes, is half Mexican, so I believe I don't believe he's Cuban, so mm-hmm. I don't want to disrespect any uh, Cuban Hispanics out there because they are very nice people and they will cut you if you ever piss them off. Uh, but that, I digress. Um, anyway, William Neeland, we're gonna put him in the GTFO category. Nisbone. If I'm Steve Simmons, I'm putting him here. No, I'm you're putting Steve him in. I- you're putting him in IKEA. What are you talking about? Yeah, true. Yeah, that's its own category. I'm putting him at A. It's William Nylander, one of my favorite players. He struggled for a few games, but he found a way to get right back up. And uh, yeah, I need a, he, I guess he needed a bit of a kick in the ass, but that's just how some players are, right? Just need a bit of a kick it, in the ass, goes, and he it, got he got he, he got back, and now he's playing. He's playing really well right now. It, it's really a testament to life too, because sometimes mm. you're going to get hit with some hard truth and you're going to be down, but then like you, you, you find your way and you find your swagger. And I think uh, Willie is the, Willie is the epitome of if you like tough love sometimes works a lot. Like it's really tough. Cause like I can speak from experience. It's hard, but it works, mm-hmm. especially for my case. Um, but you never know because again, like you don't know what's going to happen. People react differently. You know, coaches know how to react to players. Um, Wayne Train. This is yours to take. I'm putting Wayne Train in B tier, and there's a reason why, and that's because okay, you look at his stat line, and he only has five goals on his season, and people are like, why is Wayne Simmons in B tier? It's because he does some first of all five goals in 12 games five points in 12 games is not horrible it's not great 
It's not horrible. It's, it, it, it's more than what was expected coming into the season. Exactly. And even the game that he got hurt, keep in mind. He scored two goals. He scored two goals. The first goal was just a joke. He literally just roofed it on Thatcher Demko saying, hey, kid, I still got hands. Like, don't screw with me. Um, and also, like, we're putting him in B for Scarborough Bluffs. Because he's a Scarborough man. You need to stop this letter association. It's I'm, not I, going I, um, I, I need to make everything cringy. That's my job. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I, I was just just to add, I really like Simmons. Like some of the discourse on Twitter about Simmons has been so utterly stupid, quite frankly. And um, oh, sure. he brings he brings so much more than just a stat line to to a. Uh, to this roster and i think the team is better with him than without him like i know they've been playing they've still played really well without him playing and like and like i do think that this team would would be different without simmons in the lineup and that's not different in, in a good way i think he he brings a lot especially to the younger guys on the team uh, For sure. Jason Spezza B. I'm also going to put him at a B. Um, I believe it was fourth like, liner. It was just under. It was just under two weeks ago when I saw that. At that point, he would have. There's only one player on the Habs who would have had more points than him, which is absolutely hilarious since they were uh, roasting the Leafs roster for not having any depth when only one of their players has more points than our fourth liner. Um, that's hilarious. Um. And I yeah. also want to point out that again, he still has he has the same amount of points as Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar, and Josh Anderson, and makes less than all three put together. He has the same amount of points as them put together. Or no, he he makes like hmm. ten times less, is what I. Should oh, say. okay. I'm I'm freaking a dumb dumb, uh, but that's besides the point. Um, but yeah, I think to be honest, like Spezza is showing that age can go screw the pooch because mm-hmm. like i like i think we're all programmed in sport once you hit like 33 you're like okay we had a good run well like we gotta start working on pensions or saving money because this shit ain't gonna last forever mm-hmm. um he has what i like to call yarmu yonder syndrome where age is just a number you're gonna keep racking it up no matter what. Uh, and another player that I hope continues to do, do that on a side note, not a leap related, uh, Joe Pavelski, because holy shit, this guy is money on unrelated note. Anyway. Um, so... John Tavares. Yeah. Oh, wait, this is, yeah, this is yours. This is so mine. You, yo, freaking trying to steal it from me. Goddamn communist. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and put JT in the A tier, obviously. Because I don't know why everybody's so pissy with him. Because consider, okay, he's not, okay, he's got, people are pissy with John Tavares when he has five points within his last five games. Personally, I just put him in the B tier because he kind of struggled out of the gate. And a lot of his point, and like he wasn't producing at five on five, which I think is most important. But at the end of the day, it's still John Tavares. So I would have put him at the B. I don't know. I wouldn't have put him at A. We would have had a fist fight. But anyway, um, that's besides the point. Um, I think we should have made an S tier because I think Zach Hyman deserves to be in an S tier. Oh, Zach Hyman is B tier for me. 
really? To oh, me, man. he's deep here. Like, he's not... Like, I don't get me wrong, I really like Zach Hyman, but I think a lot of people are really overvaluating him right now. Like, I've seen a lot of people say that his next contract needs to start with the number seven. And I'm like, oh, oh no. Oh, no, 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 no. If his contract doesn't start with a four, I think you move on just because Zach Hyman is one of those players that you can find a lot of. If, yeah. If he's one of those, there, and there and he's of also them. one of those players that doesn't age well. So you don't want to be giving him big money for for long term would you give him a contract like a uh one thomas wilson just a hair above five at the most if you could afford it that would be like the absolute most but i would like ideally i I do like four years at four and a half million a good contract comparable to be completely honest david perron in uh in st louis like perfect contract comparable or or four flat or another one that I would go ahead and compare him to Elias Lindholm is making under five. I think he's making like 4.8. I'd do that. That, for Hyman. that that's a steal, especially mm-hmm. with the player that Lindholm is very good player. Um, last one. We need last. Oh, we're not counting the ones that are not on the roster. No. Well, I, I got other plans for two of them, but you'll Uh-oh. see. Um, oh no! Okay, I already know. I already know where both two. I already know both of them, and I already know where right. they're both going. Anyway, Riley, mm, am I out of line to say that Morgan Riley should be in the C tier? No. Like, here's the thing: he's an he's an offensive defenseman. What you pay him to be, like he's he's the power play quarterback now. You don't have to worry about chair splitting it with Barry anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just hard because, like. Riley has always been the defenseman that's like, hey, like, wait until he gets good. And then he got good two years ago. Like, he had his 50 point season. He had his coming he out. He had a 72 point season. Not that he didn't get a Norris nomination. And what sucks is about that is like 18 19, who won the Norris that year? Was it Hedman? No, I think they gave it to Burns or something. Hold on. I got to Google that. No, oh, or was it Giordano? I don't think it hold on. Wait, it was 1819. Wait, did I say did I say Vesna or did I say Norris? Norris. Okay, good. I did, I always screw that up. Um the Norris trophy in 1819 was it was, it was Mark Giordano. Riley was fifth. Which I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with Mark Giordano that year. He was he was unreal. He was ungodly. Anyways, um, yeah. But Riley's just like to me. He's what been, I'm, what he's I'm been a liability of, in the defensive zone. What I'm afraid of is he becomes like OEL in uh, mm-hmm. in Arizona. I don't think he's gonna be that bad. But you have like that fear, right? It's like there, okay, like the thing is when he's on the ice, they're getting out chance and out shot, right? And like, and like your top defenseman, that shouldn't be happening against him at five on five. At least that's the case. Yeah, five on five, you you have the expectation mm-hmm. that like you should be able to block zone entries, you should be able to do all of this stuff that you normally and generate scoring chances, especially as uh, from your top minutes eater. Exactly. Anyways, so that's what you need. We're done with this, but um, the list ends here. Like a bunch of guys here aren't on the roster currently. So, but I, I'll put a nice get the fuck out to Jimmy VC because he literally did get the fuck out. So. So that is that is 100% truthful. And 
Martin Marinson just because I'm done with that experiment. I can go in the yeah, get the that's fuck out. Pretty rough. Um. Yeah. So we gave out our report cards. Shouldn't we put that Minnesota Wild guy in GTFO because we don't know who he was? Um. We'll figure that out another time. <laughs> All right, um. Anyway, let's get to the article that I found. Yes. Um. I so... think we will not when, do we'll, the, the we'll do it we'll do it next week. well next week the show the the, the tournament's we'll, we'll gonna be half we'll over <laughs> that's true never, never mind anyway, <laughs> uh well i mean we are a toronto sport mm-hmm. it's okay that was just that was just if we had time but anyways, anyways so, we went on a tangent uh, about the buffalo sabers fun times fun times indeed yes anyway so um this actually dropped today which was good i'm glad that we did this today instead of yesterday we're, we're recording on wednesday not a thursday um but basically uh, you mean we're reporting C- we're recording on wednesday not on tuesday you thank you anyway um now that i found out that english is hard and i struggle with everything uh jonas siegel and uh james myrtle put out a top 10 trade deadline targets for the leafs you just want um, are you going to read them out and you want me to give I, my thoughts we're both going to give our thoughts. Okay. Eagles is very not appealing, especially the top for five and four. Not you're going to agree or just yuck. Uh, so number five for Jonas Siegel is Matt Nieto of the San Jose. Sharks. Why? 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 I already <laughs> saw this. I saw this. It's just. Oh, look. you saw the list. Um. Yes, I don't remember them. I saw them this morning. Uh, someone sent them in a group chat I'm in, but. Is it is it the group chat that I'm in? No, it's a different one. Um, okay. but why? Why Nito? Like, what? What does he? What does he bring? Isn't he getting scratched? I don't know. I, I he's a he, he he was a San Jose Shark man. You got you can't have too many sharks on that team. No, just just next, just just I don't care. Uh, you can give your thoughts on it if you want, but my my I, only thought about it is why. I just say no next. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, oh, you could put him on the penalty kill. It's like great. We don't. Really great. We have a lot of penalty killers. <laughs> Uh, Thor is Ricard Raquel. Um, I don't think so because he's over, uh, overhyped. I think he's a very fine player. It depends for me. It depends on what the price is. Like I've seen some people. Did you see what JD Bunkus said this morning on the uh, fan? Yes, saying that it would cost Nick Robertson, Rodion Amirov, and I believe another Rodion Amirov. Rodion Amirov. Sorry. Rodin, um, Rodin, Rodin. Okay, sorry, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodin Amirov and um, no, and, and Pierre Engvall. It would cost all three of that for um for Ricard Raquel. And I'm just, I'm just. I, these people get paid for having opinions like that. But anyways, I'm not going to go off too much. Um, it depends on what the price is for for Ricard Raquel because I think he's a fine player, but. Not at the price I'm seeing on Twitter of what people think it'll take to get him. Right. Um, three is Phil Forsberg, which in an ideal circumstance, yes, but that would cost way too much, and I don't think Nashville's going to punt on him yet. Um, I think Nashville will trade him for the right package, but again, I'm going to give the same answer as Raquel. Depends on what we would need to give up, but I'm willing to give up a lot more for Forsberg than I would for Raquel. Right. Um, that's 
number four, and then number uh, or number two is Taylor Hall, which you are you are very much flip floppy on that. Um, as each passing day goes on, the more and more I want, I I like the idea of having Taylor Hall on the Leafs. Right. Um, but no. I don't think you do it, and I don't think Buffalo is willing to eat $4 million. Well, it's all going to be prorated. They basically already paid by the time, like, if you make that trade, like, a week or two from now, um, that they have already paid for <laughs> over $4 million for him. So I, I see them doing it. Just the Buffalo's not going to not trade him. Yeah, exactly, especially right now. Yeah. Um, also, I, I hate Did to – Did you see that break- clip when they were signing him? And yeah. it was one of the scouts or like one of the people like assistant GM. I don't remember who it was exactly, but he goes when they were like trying to like um, justify signing uh, Taylor Hall. They goes, "We're not trying to. We're not trying to make the playoffs. We're trying to win a Stanley Cup." You're trying <laughs> How's to win that going, t- Buffalo? You're trying Anyways. to win a tank bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Taylor Hall fits this team. I'm sorry. I know he would look really good with with JT and Willie, but exactly. I'm, but you have exactly, two, so you would fit perfectly fine. But you have two guys, and like I love Willie, but Willie's not a defensive guy. The Leafs would have much. would have and five would have five first overall picks on their team. And then when they if they lose, then we will never ever 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 forgive this team ever again. Um, now the last one uh, that Siegel said, I am for it, and I mentioned it before, and you weren't really into it. But I think it could work. Alex, I have follow. With I'm Willie. into it. I just think that there's that that um, that there's, there's better options. options out there. I think it works though because like, you can put him in the middle if you need to. Um, and it's not against very it. Much... I'm not against it. Just that it depends what the leads are looking for. Like to me, it sounds like they want like an impactful player, and like, is he really that impactful player that you that you want for a playoff run, or is he just another guy? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think he's one of those guys. It's like he's a late bloomer in the league because he, he's only started playing in the league like a few years ago. He's only had one forty-point season, but like, I don't know. Like, it, it's one of those names where like you have a good history with the Kings. I think I'd, I'd pull the trigger, but there, there's other names. All right, give me another. Get, we gotta get to our boy uh, Myrtle, our boy Myrtle, who's I think he I think he hits it with these. So the first one's Eric Stahl. Uh, which I, I think both you both of you and me kind of soured on a little bit. No, I um a, a little bit, but I, I I still like him. Like that just I think it just um optimizes the whole lineup if you can get another third line center. If you can yeah, get a third line center like, in there, you can move up and down the lineup. And also like the third line's been so good right now that I don't know if I you think, break that up. I think I think I think Stahl would make it better. And I think he oh, won't you, but... cost too much either to acquire from Buffalo. For sure, yeah. And it's very much how... I'm willing to send Buffalo our first-round pick this year for him just because our first, just because of, the, of the, how weak this draft class is. Mm-hmm. Um, for, I mentioned this before, and that is Bobby Ryan. No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> What does he like? What are we doing here now? Like, at least it's going to turn into a retirement club. I mean, I wouldn't say so. 
Uh, no, Bobby Ryan's not that player that really – I don't think he'll move the needle much at all. Okay. This one you're going to hate. Tanner Pearson. Why? Like, I mean, Tanner Pearson's <laughs> not bad. Like, I, like it's, not, it's not terrible. It's better than Bobby Ryan. But, I think, again, there's like, so many better options that you can, that you can get. That, like, looking at now, him. like uh, what I'm looking for, like I said a few minutes ago, like to me, the Leafs are looking for an impact player that they can put in the top six next to Tavares and, and Nylander on, onto that line. That's not what Pearson is. Exactly. Well, like, uh, that's why like, I saw that name and I was just like, uh, like I didn't care, but like, I don't know if like that's the, the one I would go with. You know what I mean? Personally. Mm-hmm. Um, now the next two, I've kind of gone back and forth in my head if I want them or not. Uh, and it is, uh, the first name is Kyle Palmieri. Don't hate it. And the next one is Bakel Granlund. Granlund, I really, I really like. I'd really like Granlund. I don't think he'll be he'll he'll cost too much to acquire considering he's expiring um, on Nashville. I think Granlund makes the most sense out of all the names mm-hmm. that we just said because he's a playmaker. If he plays with Willie and JT, their numbers are going to shoot up because he's, he's a good have some. He's good. He's good uh, power play presence too. If you put him net front, he's, he's he thrives in that role. Um, you can't have too many of those. I know that we have Simmons who does that and. Um, Net front William Nylander, but you know he he plays the half all on the power play. So, uh, um, yeah, but it, it, he's just such a versatile player, Granlin, and it just makes so much sense to have him on that second line. Exactly, and like especially because like uh, like Nashville, even though they're expected to like fire sale the whole team, like Granlin won't be a huge return. A huge return is if you deal a Forsberg or an Ekholm, which both. Winnipeg and Toronto have both checked in on both of those guys. I do not want Winnipeg um, to get at home. That would suck. Uh, and another thing that I would—I really would literally like, pay half of at home salary for another like weird three-way trade deal <laughs> just to not send him to Winnipeg. <laughs> if there was an interesting like, if there was an injury though, for uh, like for the team, I would want Cal Yarnkrook as well. He's a very underrated player that can play on. I the like Yarnkrook. Oh, uh, I can't say his name. Whatever. I like him. Yarnkrook. I like. I like. I like Cali Yarnkrook. California, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the list. Um. I just am looking at my screen, and uh, Philly is losing to the Rangers nine nothing going into the third. I am not. We're going to see our first double digit uh, game of the year. We might number one and number two. The Rangers are doing this. Oh my god! Okay, so is the game on Sportsnet or TSN? No, no, it's not. Okay, Mm. I just, I just need to, to, to shed this. Okay, the Rangers have scored nine goals on. 23 shots and the Rangers that is 600 save percentage. The Flyers have only had 14 shots on the Rangers goal. Pavel Buchnevich has four points because Zibanejad has five points and a hat trick. Um, You know what? Good for Zibanejad. He's been struggling this year. Maybe sometimes you need one of these games or you just absolutely obliterate a a weaker, uh, like an opponent who's like really struggling and now put some confidence in him. 
and this, they're doing this while apparently dressing Alexis Lafreniere and Jack Johnson, and both of them have not touched the ice yet, which is Wait, hilarious. What? So, like, on the they box... Have zero, screen, I, they have zero, zero. That has to be a glitch. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. It's really... It's messing with me. Anyways, yeah, that's a... That's, that's wild. I was hoping for like I thought some of those Oilers and Senators games would be like ten to three or something for the Oilers. Exactly. Like I, I saw that and I was just like, uh, like I don't know, mm-hmm. like I don't know what caused that to occur. Just before we finish, um, we wrap it up. One thing we should mention is um the fact that um Toronto FC extended uh, Ali Curtis there their general manager, which is a move I really like. He's the manager who's who's built the winner here in the past and built competitive teams after that. So he's clearly knows what he's doing. He's got the right vision. And we, I think we mentioned this last week or the week before with um, executives in Toronto sports. So they're all young guys and Ali Curtis is another one of them, which is, which, which leaves Toronto sports in like a very interesting spot right now because like, because like it, it's it's a very accepting and very progressive of like how people view sports today rather than 10, 20 years ago, which is what a lot of these executives do these days. Right, exactly. And also people were upset that Victor Vasquez uh, went to LA Galaxy to be with Greg Danny. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is 2017 anymore, bro. He wasn't even, it's not like he left Toronto FC to go there. He was already off the team. So whatever, good for him. Um, honestly, nothing but success for for Vanny. He's done so much for us. It would be really shitty of us to to wish him anything but the best in in LA. Exactly. Like I don't, I don't, I don't hold. You got us, a, you get us a championship, and you get us to the finals three of like five or six years. Success. I don't uh, see why we should be mad. All right, uh, that's everything we got for you guys. Um. I am going to shamelessly plug myself. I have an article which is coming out, um, which is coming out the same day that this podcast is coming out. And what I did is I pro- I'm profiling the seven Canadians to keep an eye out for in the NCAA tournament. So if you're interested in following the Canadians in tournament, be sure to check out my article, which should be out. Um the morning that this podcast gets released or a little bit after that um follow us on the socials we will repeat it um at twitter at quincy queen city roundup and wait sorry wow that's the instagram instagram is is at queen city roundup and yay i didn't mess up (laughs) and uh on twitter it's q underscore city roundup because we can't fit the full name of the podcast in in a twitter handle so yeah stupid mm-hmm. and but, yeah any final words matt no uh i kind of miss watching sports but i mean like i'm getting work done when sports are not on because i'm still a college student and i have one two three four five i have six more weeks of college dude this is phenomenal congratulations yeah i mean this hasn't happened yet. I could still like just utterly out. just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can uh, just freaking goof. All right. Um, but I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. Anyway. I'm done. See ya.